If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A listener note, this story contains adult language and some graphic descriptions of violence. Previously on Carruth. The defendant, Ray Lamar Carruth, is guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, but not guilty of the first murder. Ray is walking out of prison in October, and you know, that was a death penalty case. In a lot of ways, we sort of won that case. If what they're saying is that because Watkins took the plea and Carruth refused to take it, they made their decision based on some subjective weighing process, they did not follow the law. Whether he got 19 years like he did, or if he would have gotten closer to 40 years like Van Brett did, Tariqa still did and it's not bringing her back. You can be having a bad day in here. If you're lucky enough to be working with Lee, then never mind. I always say he's in the smile ministry. You know, he's already walking in his calling. He, he's happy. So Van Brett Watkins and I, since I've met with him, have become correspondents. He has written me since I have met with him in prison for that one three-hour-plus interview, I'd say at least uh, 15 times. So today, just now opening this, but this is the first time I've actually received a card from him. So I can tell it's a card from the thickness of the envelope. Uh, He always calls himself Monsieur. Monsieur Van Brett Pierre Watkins is how he always puts himself on the return address, and he says, Sir, enclosed, please find a card to Miss Sandra Adams. You may read it and then forward it to her. And he signs it, New York. That was his nickname. All right, so the card starts. Peace, Miss Adams and Chancellor. I read the last lie Dumber and Dumber recently did with Mr. Scott Fowler, he refers to Caruth sometimes as dumb and dumber or dumber and dumber. He's done this for many of these 15 letters. Uh, And you don't believe that BS either. So thank you for defending the God's honest truth I told oh so many years ago. Tell the world the absolute truth, all the things I've done. I don't care if I make it to 2040 or 43 or 46. This is what I am now after 57 years what I care about, that Allah forgives my lifetime of major and minor sins, that he allows me to go to heaven and not to let me have to eat the nasty foods in NC, DOC, DPS, mess halls. I'll take the good or bad decision from Allah without crying and lying, like dumbest, a.k.a. Ray Wiggins. P.S. As you see, a zebra never sheds its stripes, nor does a leopard lose its spots. He's still unrepentive. That's a danger to you and Chancellor. 
From the Charlotte Observer and McClatchy Studios, this is Caruth. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Chapter 7, Forgiveness. Here at Child and Family Development in South Charlotte, Chancellor Lee is hard at work doing things he was never supposed to do. Walking from his room into the kitchen. Yeah. Whoa, so, Lee, why? Yeah. I mean, what, that, are you going to go get a snack? Yeah. <laughs> Amy Sturkey has been the teenager's physical therapist for 14 years now. It's still, I've only, I would say in the last year, gotten so that I will walk beside him and not hold on to him that I can walk and go down the hall. Now I do have him in the corner of my eye, even now as I go across the room, I have my Mm -hmm. corner of my eye. But I can go, Lee, you got this, and I can walk over and pat you on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and come back and feel like Lee's still gonna be there and be safe. Chancellor Lee is almost 19. Doctors predicted he might never walk, and progress has been slow, but it has been progress. We started off on the treadmill where he could hold on and I can control the speed and that way at 0.3 miles per hour, he could get a heel toe, which treadmills start in the gym at 0.5, so slower than the standard treadmill at the gym. Then it was two hands held, so I'm not as steady with my hands, and now we've progressed to go into one hand held, and that's what probably in the last six months we've been working the hardest on is trying to get that heel toe walk. This transition into adulthood is a crucial time for anyone living with cerebral palsy. And Chancellor Lee is surpassing his physical goals at Child and Family Development. But Sturkey admits the question of how reliant Chancellor Lee will be on Sandra in the future does linger. Again, he's a marginal community ambulator. The goal would be, I think he's starting some in the home to walk on his own, but we want him to be able to walk. Now, out in the water community, I think, is a step in the future. But for now, our goal would be that he could walk in the home independently and be safe. That... Mm -hmm that she doesn't have to be next to him everywhere he goes in the house. And if he decides he wants to get up and get the remote... Because now he's always rushing me. Because if I'm getting dressed too slow, he's already out of of the room. And then I hear him, I'm like, I'm coming, Lee. Can you imagine as a teen, though, it's an appropriate independence for him to have, for him to be able to go from across the room for whatever it is he wants and come back safely. In 2012, John Embry saw an HBO Real Sports piece in which Bryant Gumbel interviewed Sandra and Chancellor Lee. At the time, Embry was the head coach at the University of Colorado. It had been nearly 20 years since he had helped to successfully recruit Carruth, back when Embry was an assistant with the Buffaloes. Shortly after midnight, with Watkins and his accomplices waiting in a nearby car, Carruth and Adams left his house in separate cars to supposedly spend the night at her place. After I got to the hospital, I started calling Ray because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he doesn't know that she's been shot. Did you really think it would be that easy and you'd get away with it? My fault is that I didn't do like a hitman should do. Which is? Kill everybody on the scene. The coach grew close to Carruth as the wide receiver rose to All-American status and they'd kept in contact after Carruth was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Then the receiver got arrested, tried, and sent to prison for conspiring to murder Sharika. I mean, you're watching all this and you're going, what is going on? And I just remember, you know, thinking to myself, how could this happen? Like, what would drive someone to do this? And then what would drive him to do something like this? Like, I just don't get it. I still don't get it. Embry also wasn't sure what to do about it. But by 2012, he had started a nonprofit called Buffs for Life that supported former Colorado athletes through personal hardships. Buffs for Life, an organization, a group of men who are buffaloes, remember those cold practices, remember the, the agony of being a buffalo and then also the joys of being a buffalo. It's family looking after, after those who need. Uh, it is, it's the foundation of what Buffs for Life is. Sandra and Chancellor Lee had no connection to Colorado, except for the fact that a former Colorado star had impacted their lives so horrifically. You know, I'd always kind of wonder what had happened with Sandra and Lee, you know, having had the relationship with Ray and familiarity with all of that. And uh, we were able to get a hold of her and we reached out to her and then we were able to fly her out for that very first tournament. 
Buffs for Life flew Sandra and her grandson out to Colorado for the organization's first charity golf tournament. When everyone met her and met Lee, it was like, I mean, everyone just, for a bare lack of term, just fell in love. Just being around them and seeing her and her heart and then seeing the courage and the fight and the drive that Lee has, it was incredible. Having a grandchild that's born disabled and people are saying, don't even try to do anything with him. He's not going to be one. He's never going to walk. There all these things that he's never going to do. And she never quit on him. And she didn't blink. Bus for Life has raised more than $160,000 for the Adamses from donors all over the world. The donations have helped cover the cost of Chancellor Lee's medical care and living expenses. Nice work. Good Good job. job. Good job. They raised enough money so that in 2017, Sandra and her grandson were able to move into a new house better suited for the disabled. Inside, there are framed photos everywhere of Chancellor Lee as an infant and of Sandra wrapping her arms around him. And just inside the front door, one of Sharika showing off her pregnant belly, smiling about that future that seemed full of limitless possibility. In the new home, both of their bedrooms are on the first floor, and an electric stair lift helps Chancellor Lee get to the second floor. Outside the front door is a welcome mat that says, whether you come to visit or just to rest, when you enter our home, may you be blessed. Embry told me that by getting to know the family, he has been. I wish everybody could meet her and really just sit down and talk with her because it's easy for people to say, well, I know I would do this, I would do that if this ever happened, that ever happened. And here's someone in the middle of what could be your worst nightmare as a parent. It truly does force you to look at yourself and really, <laughs> at least for me, question One, some things. Sure. I know I'm a better person for the times I've been able to talk with her and just be around and see it. Like she never (laughs) says, I've never once heard her say, why me? Hmm. Not one time. Money is often tight for the Adamses. For nearly two decades, Sandra has spent her days as Chancellor Lee's full-time caregiver. After Carruth and the other three conspirators were convicted of criminal charges related to Sharika's killing, Sandra filed a civil wrongful death lawsuit against the four men. Soon, a Mecklenburg Superior Court judge awarded her nearly $6 million in damages. But the four men had been sentenced to a combined 75 years in prison. Carruth had been declared indigent. To this day, the only money Sandra says she's received from Carruth was a single $10,000 payment as lawyers divvied up Carruth's NFL retirement benefits. That's all we have gotten from Ray Carruth ever. And, you know, the lawyers have to be paid, so I didn't even get to keep all of the 10000 So I'm really hoping he can get out and uh, get a book deal or a movie deal or something that will pay Chancellor what he's due, because I do intend to keep that active. Maybe he would have to at least have some financial accountability, because I've had to make innumerable sacrifices in my life to take care of my grandson, and I don't feel ashamed in any way that it should be compensated. Embry's role as the primary fundraiser for the Adamses is somewhat ironic. He's long coached for teams that play against Carolina and has no Charlotte connection at all. The Panthers, of course, are Carruth's former team. They distanced themselves from him long ago and largely did the same with Sandra and Chancellor Lee. There's no really hard feelings between me and the Panthers. I think they did what they should have done from a business perspective. This was not the Panthers that committed the crime. This is Ray Carruth. He's on his own. They made the best business decision for the team. A Panthers spokesman declined to comment on the record for this project. But earlier this year, Jerry Richardson, the team's founding owner, sold the Panthers to hedge fund manager David Tepper. As Tepper told the 2018 graduating class at Carnegie Mellon, domestic violence is an issue he knows about all too well. A kid who couldn't afford to go to an NFL game until well into his 20s, is on the verge of getting the NFL's approval to buy the Carolina Panthers. But believe me, it didn't start out that way. 
I grew up in a working class neighborhood of Stanton Heights in the city of Pittsburgh. My dad, like a lot of dads, had to work 60 hours a week just to make ends meet. He was physically abusive to me. I'm sure it was a cycle that he got from his father, and his father got from his father. In my young life, there is no greater adversity. And I'm proud to say, in what I view as the greatest accomplishment of my life, I broke that cycle. With that background, it's possible the change in ownership could change the Panthers' dealings with Sandra and Chancellor Lee. I just think they could have been a little more empathetic towards our family or something. And it's not that I wanted anything monetarily from the Panthers. I just think they could have showed up better. But in the meantime, Sandra and Chancellor Lee are doing just fine. I was reminded of that at the end of his recent therapy session. The two of them bumped into one of Chancellor Lee's friends at Child and Family Development, and he lit up in a way I'd never seen before. Have you been on vacation, son? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going next week? Texas. 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 And hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is it that binds us to this place as to no other? The university of the people. Watching Chancellor Lee's transition to adulthood often makes me think of my own son. My oldest child, Chapel, is 20. He was born just a year before Chancellor. Over the years, I've been called away from home many times to go cover developments in the Ray Carruth story. Once, I had to balance him on my knee with one hand and try to hold a phone and take notes with the other while doing an interview about the case. 
This past August, I dropped Chapel off for his junior year at the University of North Carolina. The University of the People. The people. And spent much of the three-hour drive home thinking about firsts. The first time I saw him read a real book to himself. The first time... <laughs> <Aww>. Sorry. <laughs> that always happens when I talk about them. Let's, uh, let's go on and let me think about whether... <laughs> I'll be able to get through that or not. All right. <clears throat> Those moments often make me think about Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Not long ago, I saw the joy in his eyes when he typed his own name. Yeah. There you go. You just typed a sentence. Awesome. Yeah. Good job. He, too, is trying to realize his full potential. Good, good. As a reporter, it's unusual to cover a story this long. With the uh, first pick of the draft, the Indian- Rarely does a writer or a family stay in one place this long. I was 15 on this picture, and she was 13. And it was March 31st, 1989, and I wrote Spring Break on the bottom of it. I don't think we were going anywhere. We just decided to take pictures together. Rarely does the story keep growing and changing for this long. Hey. Come on, Lee. Yeah. It's a story Caruth is mostly followed from Sampson Correctional Institution, about 170 miles east of Charlotte. He's mostly been a model inmate, having committed only four infractions in 19 years in prison. By contrast, Van Brett Watkins has committed 51. Caruth has become a licensed barber, earning $1 a day, plus tips, to cut other inmates' hair. It's a far cry from the $38,000 a game he earned with the Panthers, but friends tell me he's made his peace with it and enjoys cutting hair. When Caruth receives a tip, even if it's only a quarter, he considers it a testament to a job well done. We, the jury, returned the unanimous verdict as follows that the defendant, Ray Lamar Caruth, is guilty of conspiracy. Following his sentencing, Caruth's lawyers repeatedly appealed his verdict. At one point, a court did find Judge Charles Lamb was wrong to allow Sharika's handwritten hospital notes into evidence. Those notes implicated Caruth in the shooting, but when she wrote them, Sharika was on morphine and a variety of other drugs following surgery, and seven hours had passed since the attack. Well, David Rudolph admits it's hard to know how much those notes swayed the jury. He was Caruth's lead attorney during the trial. You know, it's hard to tell evidence becomes sort of a cumulative thing. It certainly wasn't as dramatic as the 911 call, but it it certainly added substance and it added emphasis. But I think the 911 call was, you know, hearing her voice is just a really powerful thing. Despite the mistake in admitting those notes, the appeals court ruled that a preponderance of other evidence tied Carruth to the shooting and a panel of judges there labeled the error, quote, harmless. And let me just say that Ray, you know, in a strange sort of way, he sort of thinks it sort of came out probably where it should have in that he was responsible for putting Sharika in that place. Carruth's conviction was upheld there and at every other turn. Rudolph visited Carruth in prison in August and received Carruth's authorization to speak to me for this project. You know, it, it wouldn't have been just for him to be convicted of first-degree murder or put on death row, but the fact he ended up in prison for some significant period of time, I don't think he's bitter about that. I mean, he, he blames himself for where he ended up. Uh, and I think that's, that's significant, you know? I, I mean, I think for somebody to be able to, to have that level of self-awareness and and take responsibility like that um, is, is impressive. As I drove home from Chapel Hill, I thought about fatherhood and my own son and the new responsibilities awaiting Caruth once he leaves prison and whether or not his new life will ever include the young man learning to walk on his own at Child and Family Development. Come on, Lee. Yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In two decades of covering Sharika Adams' murder and its aftermath, I've heard so many things about November 16, 1999, that seem to defy reason. Yet one unbelievable part of this saga stands out among all the others. I first heard it from Sandra Adams at the sentencing for the man who orchestrated her daughter's killing. I am forgiving Ray Carruth. I am forgiving Ray Carruth, the man who spent 19 years in prison for conspiring to murder Sharika, the man who permanently disabled his own son, Chancellor Lee. I can't hate Ray Carruth because he is part of my grandson. Sandra's grace, despite her own sadness, was reflected in a letter she wrote, but not to Carruth, to the man who shot her daughter. Van Brett Watkins was the only one of the four that actually reached out to me to ask for some forgiveness, and he expressed remorse, and I believed him, and I believed his story that he was afraid of Ray Carruth, not the person, but the power and what he could do. So Van Brett Watkins sent me a letter expressing that, and I did write back to him, and it's dated April 18th in 2003, and I said to him, Mr. Watkins, you know I am suffering. Because of your actions, I will never be able to hold my beautiful daughter Sharika again. Because of your actions, my grandson Chancellor cannot do the simplest things like call me grandmommy or play ball with the other children. Because of your actions, I have a huge hole in my heart. But despite my grief, I want you to know that I have forgiven you. I know you are suffering too for the horrible choice you made that day. I want you to know that you will always be in my thoughts and prayers and I wish you peace. Sandra Adams. The 286-pound hitman, who was capable of agreeing to murder a pregnant woman for $6,000, was shaken by Sandra's kindness. 
As I sat there with Watkins in prison, he told me Sandra's forgiveness in the face of everything he had done to her family was what made him question the man he had become and the depth of his hatred for Caruth. I ask forgiveness for the murder of Sharika. I say forgive me for Sandra and everything that I inflicted on her. When I want to forgive Ray Caruth, I want him dead. Caruth declined repeated invitations to speak on the record for this project. He didn't testify at his own trial. Outside of the one interview he did with CNN SI back in 2001, he's never offered a full account of his side of the story. The last on-the-record statements Caruth has made were in that letter to me in Chapter 1, telling me that some mistakes can never be made right. He sent me that letter after talking to a TV station and igniting a firestorm. Caruth wouldn't speak about the specifics of that night in 1999 when Sharika was shot four times by someone Caruth hired. But he does take responsibility. After years of following his media coverage from prison, Caruth decided the story had been told wrong too many times. He wrote an open letter to Sandra in February and had it delivered to Charlotte's WBTV. He followed that up with a phone call. He knows his words may bring more anger and writes, I've long accepted my lot as a social pariah. This is from Sarah Blake Morgan's report. I'm apologizing for the loss of her daughter. I'm apologizing for the impairment of my son. I feel responsible for everything that happened, and I just want her to know that truly I am sorry for everything. At the controversial core of WBTV's report, however, was Caruth's need to, quote, debunk the lies that Miss Adams continues to tell about me. He also questioned her guardianship of his son. You know, I let him down as he came into this world, and the only way that I could make that right, the only way that I could reconcile my relationship with my son is to be there for him and to be a father and a dad to him going forward. I should be raising my son. I want that responsibility back. I've never heard Sandra angrier than that day when I reached her by phone. I can say definitively he's not ever going to have custody of Chancellor, she told me. My grandson will never be raised by a stranger, someone he doesn't know and who tried to kill him. Scott, that letter was in no way at all an apology to me. That letter was all about him. And I was very fooled when I first heard those lines because I cried and I thought, finally, He has come to some repentance. This is what I've been praying for, that he would just admit, be a man, admit what you did. And so I was fooled because I saw those words. I think he said that I could have done a better job of keeping Sharika and Chancellor out of harm's way. That is a true statement. He could have not planned it. The blowback to that report was swift. For years, Sandra had been adamant that she and Chancellor Lee would be outside the prison gates waiting for Caruth when he was released from Sampson, where the boy who wouldn't die could stand face to face with the man who had wanted him dead. And that may still be the case, but today, Sandra's far less certain. Getting out from behind those four walls is not going to make him free. And I don't want him to be free until he can admit what he did. And in the past, I didn't think it mattered. Just do his time, get out, be free, go along his way. But I think as the time gets closer for him to get out, I am feeling very differently. I'm still feeling forgiving. And I want still for him to meet his son. But I do want him to feel the effects of what he did. Because that's what I've been looking at every day since November 16, 1999, and seeing the hurt, the disappointment, seeing my dreams slashed, I want him to see that too. Soon after that WBTV report, Caruth wrote me a five-page letter where he reversed course. I understand that everyone believes that I initially tried to shirk the responsibility of raising Chancellor, he wrote, that I didn't want him. But does that really mean that after almost 19 years of incarceration, I'm supposed to be the same man? That I'm not supposed to want to make amends with Chancellor and try to be the father that I should have been from day one? 
Nevertheless, Carruth wrote to me, he was giving up on that idea. He told everyone to, quote, please calm down. I promise to leave them be, he wrote, which I now see is in everyone's best interest. And so we're clear this will be the last time that I make any comments concerning this situation. Carruth has stayed true to those words, and so questions remain about what relationship, if any, he will pursue with his son when Carruth is released. Even Sandra struggles for clarity. On two occasions, I have reached out to him. I asked him to go ahead and send me the visitation papers, and I got no response from him. And so I write to him again. And this time, I did say to him that, you know, he is not going to have a relationship with Chancellor without sitting down and communicating with me. And I told him that you are going to be missing out of your son's life. And then I did add, but that doesn't phase you. He did not want him. He tried to kill him. So I am not going to keep begging a killer to want to be part of my grandson's life because my grandson is going to be sheltered and covered and live a life with unconditional love. And if he can't give that, there's no need for him to be in his life. I'm still praying about where I'm going to be October 22nd. Part of me wants to be there the day he walks out, right there where he has to come past me so he can acknowledge his son. And then there's part of me that just wants to be chilling out on a beach somewhere on October 22nd and uh, moving on with my life. Because I don't, the question I have to ask myself is the same question Sharika asked me that night. Why am I here? What is this even about? Her questions come back. The story of Sharika's life is being heard today, louder than ever. Sandra has become a passionate advocate on behalf of domestic violence victims, honoring her daughter's legacy by speaking to gatherings ranging from the mothers of murdered offspring. I found out that you can sit around and be pitiful and wallow in the pain and let it just consume your life all the time, or you can take back your power. Let's keep our thoughts on love. Let's keep our thoughts on forgiveness. We're deciding that we won't just let pain just rule our whole lives. To vulnerable populations behind bars. Forgiveness to me means that I am no longer going to hold you hostage to that act. Late last year, I captured this audio from Mecklenburg County Jail on my phone. No matter how much time he serves in jail, it's not worth it to show him that. And sometimes national TV audiences. To present the Walter Camp American Hero Award for 2016, please welcome... Here she is in New Haven, Connecticut, at a celebration for the best college football players in the country, being honored on ESPN. I think I'm a grandmom that would do what she is supposed to do in the face of tragedy. This award is first and foremost for Sharika and then for my grandson, Chancellor. Here, 10 miles east of Uptown Charlotte, I met with Sandra and Chancellor Lee one more time for this project at Sharika's final resting place. Come here. You see Mommy Angel's grave? Yeah. Aren't those pretty? Yeah. Sharika Adams. Yeah. Mommy Angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi. Pine and oak trees ring the wide open grounds here. There's a bright blue sky overhead. A vase full of purple and yellow flowers sits by Sharika's headstone, which is adorned with a familiar sight, the same sort of butterfly she loved as a child, etched in bronze. Because they had several different little border things. But I told them, I said, well, I know I want butterflies on it. I wanted Sharika and Chancellor to have the same initials, so they do, CLA. 
Chancellor Lee Adams and Sharika Lavinia Adams. Sharika oh. had my mom's middle name and Chancellor has my dad's middle name. Oh. Edgar now, Lee. Cause yeah, because Lee is the family, family name. name. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. I never thought about the initials. Yeah, so That's CLA cool. and CLA. Here at Sunset Memory Gardens, it's only natural Sandra would reflect again upon those family traditions handed down through the generations. We don't have any more heirs to the Adams name, and he's the last boy. Really? Yeah, huh? because see, my sister's children are not Adams's, they're her husband's last name. Right. So I was like, we, it's a lot riding on Lee yeah. here. It's a lot <laughs> riding on Lee. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure, yeah. man. Yeah. You got to carry on yeah. the Adam's name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You're kind of flirty. I don't know. You're going to carry on the Adam's name, boy? Yeah. <laughs> you got two girlfriends. I don't know. Two girlfriends? Yeah. Dang, Lee. <laughs> Days away from Carruth's release from prison, I wondered if she had any new thoughts on the man convicted of conspiring to kill her daughter. Basically, you know what? From the journal entries that I have from Sharika, and from my perspective of what Sharika thought their relationship was, I believe Sharika loved Ray. And so if she saw some good in him, I want to dig and dig and dig until I find that good too. I also wanted to deliver to them the card Van Brett Watkins sent me. I think he has plenty of time to write letters. He really has a nice penmanship. He does. It's very readable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to make sure she saw Watkins' closing thought, which stuck with me. A zebra never sheds his stripes, nor does a leopard lose his spots. He's still unrepentive. That's a danger to you and Chancellor. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. What'd you think? I think it's written in all sincerity. And um, I believe he's doing his best to warn me. That last bit. Of the person that he knows. And um, I actually feel some of the same kind of way. You do? I do. That it's... Yeah. I think the great Maya Angelou summed it up the best. When people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Ray is a coward. So Ray would never come back here and do anything, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't send someone. So I am a little anxious and I'm not gonna live in fear, but I'm taking a lot of precautions. Where Carruth goes after his release remains a question. I've been told over the past year that maybe he'll return home to California or remain in North Carolina. I've been told he might get married or that he might change his name. One thing we do know, soon his sentence will be over. He's only 44 years old. I think he's looking forward to uh, getting out and, and restarting his life. Here again is David Rudolph, Carruth's lawyer. He's matured immensely, as you can imagine, um, and uh, uh, feels very strongly that... Uh, he wants to just sort of uh, try to do something positive with the rest of his life. Carruth will be a free man and will have paid his debt to society. But has society forgiven him? You know, it does not bother me a bit that he's going to be getting out of jail. This is Clark Pennell, the jury foreman in Carruth's trial. He was given a trial. He was convicted. He served his time. And it's time for all of us to be getting on with our lives. Ray Carruth orchestrated that murder. This is Daryl Price, one of the detectives who investigated Sharika's murder. He was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder, but not the actual murder itself. I don't even understand how that's possible. If you're convicted of conspiracy to commit a murder that actually occurred, I don't know how you could not be found guilty of that actual murder. Absolutely. I do not think he's guilty, and I think it's a miscarriage of justice. Here's Monique Young, one of Carruth's longtime friends. It just hurts my heart, you know what I mean, that he's had to deal with this for so long. But he's such a strong person that I think he's dealt with it very good. And Dosha Hickey, the doctor who cared for Chancellor Lee at the hospital. I mean, he planned this. He was supposed to kill her and the baby. You know, that's what he wanted. It was them, her, them to be gone, and that's just... From someone who 
cares a lot about Sandra and Chancellor. You know, I was like, fried a son of a bitch was what I wanted. Yeah, I think it's a travesty. I mean, the guy was death penalty eligible, and it would have been an appropriate sentence for him, in my view. Here's Tom Athey, who led the police investigation into Sharika's murder. I mean, look what he did to his own child. You really can't get beyond that. When you make a choice to take two lives, can you really change from that? And Valerie Brooks, one of Sharika's best friends. Is that possible? I just don't know that that can happen. I don't know that he's remorseful. This is Van Brett Watkins, the hitman who's still consumed by hatred for Carruth. What do you feel about Ray Carruth now? I'm trying to figure out a way to kill him. And this is Sandra again. So what he did, it deserves the harshest punishment. He deserves to be dead for what he did to my daughter. But I forgive him because I want to love my grandson unconditionally. And I don't even want to see Ray Carruth go to hell. I want him to come to repentance. I want to forgive him so that I can move on and enjoy the fruits of my labor and enjoy my life. Because if I'm sitting around in unforgiveness, it's like me drinking poison and hoping he's going to die. And that's not going to happen. For now, anyway, Chancellor Lee is here at Child and Family Development, continuing to work toward new goals. Today he's moved beyond the spoon and is working with occupational therapist Megan Davidson Palmer on a new challenge, cutting Play-Doh with a plastic fork and knife. So you're just using the fork to kind of hold it steady, and then you're cutting it from there. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Wow. Good. He grins yet again. And in a way, I think this young man was what all of this was about. Yeah. Ray Carruth didn't want him. Van Brett Watkins tried to kill him. Sharika Adams saved him. Sandra Adams raised him. Countless others have supported and protected and nurtured him. He was born from tragedy and has spent nearly every day since in the embrace of a grandmother who will go to any lengths to see that Chancellor Lee is loved. It's really not even about the crime because all of us go through our death of a loved one sometimes. And when we focus on what we've lost, we don't see what we have left. So today my focus is on what I have left and all the joy that it's brought me. And that in some ways, if this hadn't happened, I never would have stepped into the greatness that God had for me because it has shown me a part of me that I didn't know lived in there. I am bigger than I thought I was. I am more faithful than I thought I was. I'm more loving and compassionate than I ever thought I could be. And for that, I really have Ray Karouf to thank. With Autumn here again, preparations are already underway for Chancellor Lee's upcoming birthday. This time last year, I spent the afternoon with him and Sandra in Charlotte's Freedom Park, just across the street from the hospital where Chancellor was born. It was like it was just a couple of years ago, we were bringing him home from the hospital. So it's amazing. I'm just so thankful that I can associate November 16th with the day my grandchild was born, our miracle boy. You have a birthday coming up? Yeah. Yeah? Do you know when your birthday is? November 16th, that's right. I'm Scott Fowler, and this podcast is produced by Jeff Siner, and Rachel Wise and Davin Coburn at McClatchy Studios. Are we on break right now? Yeah. yeah I'm absolutely. hot. <laughs> Man, sometimes I get sick. It's a midlife thing. <laughs> so can we end with a good laugh? Can we end with a good laugh?
Good job. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank good. you. Good job. Man. Thank you. I'm going to take the That's microphone good, off, okay? Our they don't care. stop asking for me, Chancellor. <laughs> right. We're just going to purely Chancellor. I may not need to come anymore. <laughs> He's just going to interview you. How about that? Find lots more about this case at charlotteobserver.com slash Caruth. And for just $30, subscribe now to a full year of the Observer's award-winning sports coverage at charlotteobserver.com slash sportspass. A special thank you to Sherry Chisenhall, Robin Tomlin, Gary Schwab, Mike Persinger, Gene Siegel, and Jonathan Forsyth for their support of this project. And thank you to our nonprofit partners, No More, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, Safe Alliance, and the Children's Defense Fund. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can reach me directly at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.